Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good afternoon and happy Thursday, TCK Potters. I'm your host, Scott Bosco of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, aka. TCK pod episode 255 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. We are on the other side of 250. We're heading towards 300 coming up quick. Should be there in just a couple of weeks here through the season once we get football going up next week, which is pretty incredible. This is episode 20 of us being on the Chris Landry Football Network. Very pleasure to have been here for the month of August. We are going to be having a transition out of the program and the network when the uh, season kicks off next week. So it's no hard feelings. It's all love. Uh, we are just going to be doing our own thing on our channels here once the season started. So I want to give a huge shout out to Chris Landry and the rest of the crew for having us on the program for the last month of October. It's been a blessing and we are very excited to have the opportunity to be on this network and this platform. We've met a lot of great people, had a lot of great guests. We have a wonderful guest today, my man, Bobby Lamarco, who will bring in in just a second. But I just want to say thanks to the Chris Landry Football Network for having us on and giving us an opportunity. Uh, but we will be uh, parting ways, um, certainly in a cordial matter, uh, once the season starts here next week. So I want to give all love to Landry Football. But this is episode 255 of the TCK Pod. You can find us on Instagram at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. Also, YouTube at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And, of course, you can find us right here on Twitch TV twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. Today we're going to be talking about tight end ADPs and preview those rankings from myself and the TCK pod. And also my good man, Bobby Lamarco, it is a long time overdue. My man, we have been trying to connect for, I feel a couple seasons overall, but certainly the last few weeks and the last couple of months, man, it is really, really nice to have you finally on the program. Please introduce yourself and the fantasy football X factor in the house. Give uh, the TCK Potters and Landry football team uh, the heads up on who you are, what you do, and where we can find it. Yeah, what's going on? Thanks, Sky. First of all, honor to be on the show. Really excited. Uh, pretty much, you said it right up there. My Instagram is really you can really find me on at fantasy football X factor. I post a lot of tidbits on Twitter at FFX factor. That's my main two hubs. But I'm ready to get started. Talk some tight ends. So let's kick it off. I love it, man. And you can catch those links, of course right there at the bottom of your screen scrolling below before we get into this bobby i want to just kind of get a temperature i mean get a temperature from you right i mean you and i have been in touch for again a couple of seasons on ig twitter and we've had some back and forth behind the scenes but this is actually our first episode uh unfortunately it took this long but we're here now uh, this is our first episode together so we haven't really had a time to, to kind of chop shop live um i would love to just kind of hear from you quickly your overall strategy with tight ends we're not really going to talk strategy overall kind of through this ranking today, uh, but we are going to go through ADPs. And our listeners are familiar. We've been doing quarterback, running back receivers all week and things, but I just want to get a new kind of approach from you. Are you a tight end early guy? Are you late? Are you a streamer? What is your yeah. position on tight ends? The reason I ask is because I think tight ends is kind of like the least sexy of the positions in fantasy football. You kind of have to play a guy, so you play a guy. Or some have done tight end premium, which makes it a little more excited. Some leagues have just cut it out altogether, right? So mm-hmm. outside of those top six to eight players, you're not even playing tight ends. What is your general flow and feel for the tight end position in fantasy football? 
Great question. So I think really it, you have to evaluate every league individually. So what I mean by that is the tight end position. So if you have a league that's two running back, three wide receiver, and a couple flex spots, it changes my philosophy versus a shallow starting league with two running backs and two wide receivers. The reason why is when you draft a guy like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey in the second round, you're passing up premier talent that you need to start at running back and wide receiver. So Chris Godwin, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, whoever your guy is in the second round, you're passing on him. And then you have to replace those those starters with guys in the eighth round. So when you're evaluating, you actually have to evaluate your starting lineup. If you have to start a lot of wide receivers and running backs, you have to realize that your eighth round pick is now going to be a team. So instead of having, for example, Chris Godwin in the second round, and then you can get a guy like Hayden Hurst in the eighth, you're taking Travis Kelsey and probably drafting a guy like Jamison Crowder in the eighth round. So I think that's really important in shallower leagues, like eight to 10. I think Kittle and Kelsey are premier second round picks. Once you start getting into 12, 14 team leagues, I'm more of a two, three turn guy at the at best. Awesome. And when you bring that up on, on the turn, what is your, uh, what is your ideal draft position? If you could choose where you draft this year, uh, where would you like to be? Of course, the one-on-one with CMC and, and whatever is great, but yeah. in, in, in general for an entire draft, uh, in the flow? Do you like to be on either bookend, draft early, draft late with the turn, or do you like to be in the middle and kind of follow trends? Yeah, so I like to be, I, to be honest with you, I adapt to it, but if I had to choose, I'd probably be the 12th, if a 12-team need 12th pick because I can get a combination of Drake, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, any pick of the litter at running back in those positions. So that's why I really like going back-to-back -back RB early. And then in the second flip turn, you're looking at like great wide receivers, and a lot of times I'm a big James Conner guy. He's falling to that back into the mm -hmm. third. So I can start with three premier running backs, and then I can get a guy like Adam Thielen and Tyler Lockett to start off my wide receivers. So that's ideal. I love it, man. I love it. Right on. Great, brother. Well, let's jump into this. So, again, yeah, people are quite familiar with, with what we're doing here, um, and we're going to be breaking down the tight end ADP preview and a comparison with myself, the TCK pod kind of consensus rankings, and, of course, fantasy football x-factor consensus rankings as well so i'm going to bring up this sheet here hopefully the listeners can view it boom there it is and uh, let me get rid of some graphics here it's a little little muddy all of a sudden let me get rid of that bam all right and our links as well perfect okay so what we're looking at here and i'm just gonna leave this up for a little bit we'll talk about a couple guys and i'll bring it back so what we're looking at here basically is we look left to right on the screen for youtube and Twitch followers, you can see this on the screen for the podcasters. I'm going to try to break down this best I can for you. So on the left-hand side, we have the players and the ADP. So ADP is broken down. And again, that's a consensus ranking, right, of multiple sites. MFL, 10 leagues, uh, Yahoo, CBS, ESPN, et cetera. We've taken the average of the ADP for these top 20 tight ends. Then, of course, you can see my rankings, which is the TCK pod rankings. The ADP difference, which is important, we'll go through throughout this episode. The overall rank is right here in the middle. So that's where the just 1 to 20, basically, how we're ranking them. And then you can see Bobby's rankings as well on the other side. And again, the ADP difference. Before we jump into this, the ADP difference is essentially quite, quite what it says, right? So we're taking the ADP from the left-hand side of the column. And let's take, uh, for example, Hunter Henry, who we'll get into here. Hunter Henry right now is an average ADP, average draft position of 6.3 overall with all of those sites. So if I look down here, I've got him in number seven. So it's only kind of a 0.3 difference there, point, or negative 0.7. And then if you look at Bobby's rankings, though, 
and you find Hunter Henry, he's way down at 16, which of course we'll talk about, but he's negative 9.7 off of current ADP. So we're going to look at that and then we say, why are the differences so high? And that of course goes for the players who are a little bit higher as well. So Bobby, let's look at the top five here really quick. Top six, really, for the most part. Um, now the top four are pretty much the consensus. Before we get into this though, I do want to, uh, I do want to pick your brain here really quick and um, just kind of catch a non 49ers fan uh, perspective <laughs> on George Kittle over Travis Kelsey. You have Kittle over Kelsey yep. as well. I think in dynasty, it's a little more popular now to have Kittle over Kelsey, but in redraft, I think Kelsey still holds the edge for you. Yep. Why do you have Travis Kelsey over, um, or I'm sorry, George Kittle over Travis Kelsey and redraft as I do as well. Yeah. So the reason why is, so I review as, as a whole, I like to look at dropback data to understand if teams are going to have an influx or decrease in dropbacks. And what I found is Kyle Shanahan had an outlier year last year, very low dropbacks, very low pass volume. And when you look at efficiency metrics, George Kittle was better than Travis Kelsey. Yards per route run, yards per target. Um, in, in market share and uh, airyards.com, there's a really cool thing to, for called WOPR, which combines market share of air yards and target share. Kittle was higher. So when you just factor in all that, and plus he was only 0.1 points behind Kelsey last year on that limited pass volume, then you factor in Debo Samuel's injury, Ayuk's injury, you know, all the injuries to the wide receivers. I just think that it's time. He's just, he's got, you know, he's got everything going for him. That's why he's number one for me. He also missed a couple of games last year. So on a per game basis, he was actually better than Travis Kelsey as well. And we saw what he can, I mean, Travis Kelsey is, is very reliable. He's number one the last four years for a reason. But yeah, he doesn't have the breakaway ability that we saw with George Kittle with that incredible run against the Saints, right? I mean, like that type of breakaway yards after the catch is the 49ers pedigree at this point, is Kyle Shanahan's thing. That's why he has Debo Samuel. That's why he drafted Brandon Ayuk. That's why he has Jawan Jennings, who not many people even know. But out of Tennessee, he got another high yards after catch guy because that is very important for this offense. And, of course, George Kittle, number one at tight end there. So, I like that a lot. Travis Kelsey, number two here. No surprise. Let's bring it back up on the screen. And then we look at Ertz and Andrews. You and I technically on the screen are flipped. I've got Ertz at three. You've got um, Ertz at four. I've got Andrews at four. You've got him at three. For me, it's it's very neck and neck. Uh, right. I would like to hear just kind of quickly why for you does Andrews have the edge over Ertz? Yeah, I just really quickly, it's the same concept. You know, they're going to probably see an influx of pass volume. The the dropbacks last year for the Ravens was only 510, which is second lowest in the NFL. We saw it with Greg Roman, with Colin Kaepernick uh, back in San Francisco days, that in his second season under Greg Roman, there's a huge spike in pass volume. I see that again for Lamar Jackson. And now with Hurst gone, there's more tight end targets available for a guy like Andrews. So I give him the slight bump over Hurts. I like it. I do have Ertz over Andrews just a little bit. There's a couple factors here. First of all, last, you know, last year he only played about, you know, 50 to 60 percent of the snap share. And then so, so people read that and they say, OK, well, you know, Hayden Hurst is gone. That should go up. Well, I thought so, too, at the beginning of the summer. But then we have reports that it comes out publicly, at least first time I've heard it. Um, for sure, is that uh, Mark Andrews is type one diabetic, which is, you know, uh, somewhat common in general with human beings and athletes. But it comes out that that's the case. I think it's not a football thing to review. But for me, like I have, you know, I know a handful of diabetics. And the reality is they have a certain 
amount of energy in the tank. And we saw Jay, <laughs> Jay Cutler for years kind of like fade out at the end of games and things like that. For Mark Andrews, I think it's quite literally like maybe he's just not able to put in more work than he already does. Now, he puts in incredibly efficient numbers, right? Leading tight ends yep. and touchdowns is excellent. They're going to be phenomenal. Even if he does exactly what he did last year, he's fine. He's a bona fide top five tight end. I have no problems with Mark Andrews at all. I just don't see much more of a ceiling than he already gave us. With Ertz, it just comes down to Philadelphia for like the fifth year in a row has no reliable wide receiver weapons coming into the season, except for an old busted uh, D-Jax, right? Don't you dare talk about D-Jax like that. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. In the history, I I don't mind him either in the 15th round, but the problem is that he is the the weapon for for, uh, the – the Eagles, he's not going to be running slants across the middle. He's not going to be running 10-yard in routes. That's all Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. And, of course, we know that Carson Wentz is going to hyper-target Zach Ertz for sure while he's healthy. Yeah. So I've got him getting the edge a little bit because I just don't see other weapons there. Where I do think Hollywood Brown uh, takes a significant step up. They bring in James Brochet um, and Devin Duvernay. I think that's eventually Willie Sneed still around. I think eventually, you know, Miles Boykin takes a jump as well. So there's just weapons in – Baltimore, even though I think there's more passing opportunity in Philadelphia, there's more weapons overall in Baltimore. So I just have to lean Ertz a little bit because there's just no competition now for the third year in a row, which is just incredible. Can I just bring up one factor in all this too? Um, I think it's important. It's the best time to buy value is in the second, third, and fourth year for guys. That's when they continue to grow. So like Mark Andrews heading into his third season, George Kittle heading into his fourth, there's still room for growth as players. Ertz and and Kelsey have been in the league a lot longer. You kind of know who they are at this point. So that's another mm-hmm. reason why I'm a little bit higher, kind of maybe more risk averse in this. And I'm just kind of like, I'm going for the I'm going for it. And that's why I picked those guys. I love it. And again, I have no no qualms with uh, with uh, Andrews at all. But if you're if you're making me rank one guy ahead of the other, I'm going to give the edge to Ertz. All right, let's go down the list here, man. Darren Waller at number five for me, number five for consensus. You've got him at six. You have Hayden Hurst at five. I've got him at six. Hayden Hurst consensus is down the list here. He is at 11.8, basically tight end 12 overall. So you and I are both high on Hayden Hurst. I'll let you kick this one off. Yeah, so the thing about Hurst is I love the fact that they went out and traded a second-round pick after Hooper left to go get him. Um, Hooper is vacating the most routes per game uh, amongst tight ends in the NFL. Weeks 1 through 10 last year, Hooper was the number one tight end in fantasy. Not Kelsey, not Kittle. It was Hooper. And this team is going to be number one in pass volume, hands down, under Dirk Porter. That's how it works. Also on an efficiency metrics, when you look at it, uh, Hayden Hurst actually was better in a yards per att- uh, yards per target, but also he was the exact same in yards per route run as Austin Hooper was last year. So he's shown that he can be a high-level player. He's shown it on a yards per route run basis. And now you're going to give him all that influx of volume that he, uh, Hooper left. That's why I love Hayden Hurst at number five. I like it, man. And, uh, you know, likewise, uh, I think that there's a great opportunity here for him to pick up. I mean, you know, they get rid of Mohamed Sanu last year who goes to New England, which I thought was kind of surprising. Yeah. Mohamed Sanu just got cut, which doesn't make any <laughs> sense unless he's, right. unless he's injured and nobody knows it. Unless he's hurt, I think he ends up in San Francisco immediately because they need help. But that's Kyle a Shannon, side side project. Exactly. That's what I'm that's what I'm bringing up with their, their history in Atlanta. So yeah. I guess what I'm saying is Hooper, Hooper had a great opportunity the last two years, finishing back-to-back seasons as tight end six. 
let's not forget that Hayden Hurst was actually drafted before Mark Andrews in the same draft for the Ravens. He ended up getting hurt, you know, broke his foot the first year. He sat out with the red shirt rookie, if you will, and uh, wasn't able to play. Then Mark Andrews got his opportunity and, of course, crushed the rest of his history. So I think Hayden Hurst getting a fresh start here with a new franchise that believes in him clearly brings him in for that second rounder, as you mentioned. I think it's a great opportunity with the offense that last year led the NFL in passing attempts with over 640 pass attempts. So if the Falcons are anywhere close to Tundra, which they should be again, because their defense is still shaky and that uh, that offense in general in that division, the NFC South of the Panthers, the Bucks, uh, the Saints and the Falcons, it's going to be shootouts every single game. So I think that there's going to be great opportunity yeah. there. And of course, we know about Julio and we know about Ridley. Russell Gage, I think, is a little bit of a super duper deep sleeper, maybe, because we know what Mohamed Sanu had weekly uh, upside every once in a while. But outside of Todd Gurley, Julio, and Ridley, we don't really have like another option for sure. And the middle of that field is wide open, as far as I'm concerned. And I think Hayden Hurst is a, uh, a little bit younger, more athletic, pretty much the same size of uh, Austin Hooper. And I think it's just a great, great replacement. So Dirk Cutter likes the tight end. We know that. We've seen it for history. And, and I think Hayden Hurst can really outperform his ADP. All right, let's move on here. So then we have Hunter Henry. I've got him at seven. Hunter Henry all the way down at 16 for you. Consensus has him about the tight end six. Um, you know, this, this is this is easily – well, um, pretty close to our largest discrepancy here on the entire board. Again, Hunter Henry, I've got him at seven. Bobby's got him at 16, and the consensus is six. My thing with Hunter Henry is just – I hear both arguments, actually, and I, I feel like I'd be more comfortable if I split the difference between you and I, and I actually put him at like yeah. 10 or 12 <laughs> is probably like more realistic. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I think, I think for me it's um, I'm holding out faith that we're going to see it eventually again, right? We saw it very quickly, and then he got hurt, and then he came back from injury, and we saw it very quickly, and then he got hurt again. Tyrod Taylor is not – the gunslinger. We know that Philip Rivers loves his tight ends. We know that, but I think, you know, Charles Clay had some sneaky good situations in Buffalo for a long time. Mike Williams is busted up. He almost had a broken collarbone. Frankly, I think he's going to be out a little bit. He's had kind of general injuries overall. Melvin Gordon, of course, now in, in uh, Denver, we know what Austin Eckler can do and Keenan Allen can do clearly. Uh, but what does Justin Jackson do? If anything, is Joshua Kelly going to get work right off the bat? He's more of a bruiser, though, instead of a pass catcher, I think. So, again, I'm looking around the offense, and who's that third receiving option? It's probably Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. But if Mike Williams is busted, Hunter Henry, I think, is just going to get loaded with targets. And, again, I do take into consideration injury history, but I try not to be too ridiculous about it as long as they're healthy recently, and Hunter Henry has been. So, this is kind of one of those, like, I'm scared of it, and I'm not drafting Hunter Henry where I have him ranked. But I do yeah. think that, like, if he can stay where he's at and stay healthy, I think he definitely can finish top eight. Also, quick shout-out to my boy, a little bit of a homer duck pick. I live down the street from Austin Stadium here in Eugene. I'm a, I'm a duck alum. Uh, Austin Hooper – or Austin Hooper. Um, uh, Justin Herbert – excuse me, I don't draw a blank for some reason. Justin Herbert is the truth, and when he gets a chance – he likes to hyper target uh, tight ends as well. Did a lot at the University of Oregon. And I think, again, that's going to be another. And a lot of rookie quarterbacks kind of like the tight end for the security blanket, as well as Keenan Allen. So 
overall, I just think if he can stay healthy, I really Hunter Henry can provide a lot of value. And again, like people aren't drafting him where I have him ranked. Uh, I think that you kind of fall back in the seventh, eighth round, but I'd like to hear why you're, you're so low on him. And if, if injury concerns, I 100% hear it. Otherwise I am, I am uh, curious. Yeah, it's not injury at all, actually. So last year, nine of the 12 games, Hunter Henry was between like seven and 12 points and half point PPR. He only had one blow up game and then he had two does in his 12. So he's already kind of in that middling area anyway. But last year, the Chargers were 10th in the NFL in, draw, uh, in attempts at 597. Tyrod Taylor has never attempted over 440 in a season. So even if we hedge a little bit into the middle, we're still looking at probably 75 targets less this year going around to all skill position players. Plus, there's been talk. So Anthony Lynn, when he took the head coaching job, he kind of took a CEO role. He actually took on uh, Ken Wizenhunt's offense. That's not the case anymore. Anthony Lynn has made it very clear that he does not want to keep the same type of offense. So they're going to go under center more. They're going to be less in shotgun, less volume, run more closer to what we saw with him in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor. And you brought up Charles Clay. And Charles Clay in those seasons was very consistent, but he averaged like seven between 7.1 and 7.4 points per game in those three seasons. That's not going to get it done for fantasy. Even if we hedge a little bit based on, uh, you know, where Hunter Henry was last year versus Charles Clay, we're looking at eight and a half point game. I'm not, there's no upside for me. And that's why I'm fading him completely. Plus Tyrod scrambles. That's a huge X factor in this offense. He's going to scramble the ball. About 50 times on passing attempt plays. They're going to drop back. He's going to run. That's short targets going away from running backs and tight ends. That's why I'm fading Hunter Henry this year. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I do want to see the guy. I'm just He's just one of the guys in the league that I'm kind of rooting for just with all these injuries. And I think he's uber yeah. talented. And, again, uh, until last year, you know, I mean, the first couple of years in, his, in, his, uh, in the season, the uh, first couple of years of his career, he was as efficient or more efficient than guys like Kelsey Kittle uh, and Gronkowski through the first couple of years in a you know, per-game basis. So the talent is there, but we'll see what happens. All right, next up, uh, Jonu Smith. I've got Jonu Smith at number eight, and I understand I'm pretty much higher than anybody else I've talked to. <laughs> yeah. um, I you you've got him at, you've got him at thirteen, which I think is still you know somewhat uh, higher than most people have him. Consensus has him at about eighteen. For me, man, it, it a number of things uh, come into play here for John Smith. First of all, again, I look at target, I look at target share more than target volume sometimes, especially for the tight end mm-hmm. because tight ends do not need a hundred targets. Tight ends do not need a hundred receptions to be top eight in their position. Wide receivers need that. Ball carriers need two hundred fifty touches to be that elite guy. Tight ends need like sixty receptions, six hundred yards, and six touchdowns to be a tight end one. All right. So almost everybody on this list has the potential to do that. Obviously, right. it doesn't happen every year, but it's the potential. So for John Smith, I think he's just one of those rare talents and athletes at the position where he could take 50, 60 receptions and and make them as valuable as maybe 75, 80 from somebody else that doesn't have the breakaway speed. Right. So uber athletic. Yeah. Again, I look at the Titans and I say, OK, one of the lowest uh, target volumes in the entire NFL. We know that it runs through Derrick Henry. It's going to run through AJ Brown. Now he proved himself clearly. Corey Davis is around, right? But let's not forget for the last, you know, six years <clears throat> when Delaney Walker has been healthy with Marcus Mariota, who I have my biased opinions of Marcus Mariota. I think he's going to have a great fresh start in, in uh, Las Vegas, but it's another conversation. Nonetheless, the Titans cut ties with him because they believe in Ryan Tannehill more. Fine. Marcus Mariota was able to carry the tight end position in Tennessee with Delaney Walker in his late 30s to a tight end one every single season. 
right? Johnu Smith is an animal, dude. Super athletic, much faster, much more athletic than Delaney Walker was maybe ever in his career, certainly at the tail end. So again, I just think like the opportunity is Johnu Smith number two in this offense. So even if they're throwing the ball, you know, 450 times, you know, I think AJ Brown's going to get his hopefully 100 plus targets. But Johnu, I think, could get 80. And if he's able to get that, then I really think that these guys are going to be these guys are going to be just fine. Um, so yeah. again, I think it's the it's the bigger opportunity. And I'm not really a, a coaches speak kind of a guy. Coaches talk in the NFL that take me to to listen. Guys like Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, um, guys who are kind of no BS coaches. And yeah. Bill Belichick came out early in the summer and, and made a comment that he thinks John Smith is one of the better all-around tight ends in the NFL. And that's obviously not based on statistics because he has no statistics yet in his career. That's based on raw physical ability and talent. And I think things like that matter. So I don't know, man. I just, every year we see a Darren Waller, every year we see a, a Mark Andrews. And I really believe that some, there's about four or five of them this year, but John Smith is those guys that I think could just quote unquote come out of nowhere, but I've got him at eight. And I think he finished his top 10 for sure. Um, but if he can break a few big runs and get, I don't know, six, eight touchdowns, he might even be top five. Yeah, I mean, so I, the funny thing is I have him at 13. I'm higher than consensus, but somehow I'm going to have to say the other side of the argument, but just I will. Um, so really the thing for me with uh, your everything you said is right. He Two in yards per among qualified tight ends last year, he was number two in yards per target, seventh in yards per route run. He's an absolute stud. The thing I love most is that Arthur Smith is a tight ends coach background. So you know those tight end coaches when they come OCs, they ain't gonna turn their back on their guys. He's still gonna be all about the tight end. Um, the other thing though that is like you said, the low pass volume, but they do have three very good wide receivers. I mean, AJ Brown, Corey Davis is actually a solid number two wide receiver, and you can say what you want about Adam Humphreys, but Adam Humphreys is like the prototypical slot guy. So there is is three notable pass-catching wide receivers. The things that are going for Jonu, of course, though, is the offense, the scheme. But also Anthony Ferksner, I know last year Delaney Walker played the first seven games, but even if you take those games out, Ferksner still saw about a third of the production from tight end. So that worries me a little bit. That's why I hedged. But I agree 1,000%. He's definitely worth that. I, he's definitely a great guy to pair with another late-round tight end to see who just works out. So I'm all for it, but there is some red flags a little bit. I love it. And we talked at the top of the episode uh, draft strategy with tight ends and new men. And I think the reality is if you don't go Kittle, Kelsey, or wait till the third or fourth and like decide to go with Ertz or or, uh, Waller, if that's your guy, or Andrews, you have to kind of punt the position, right? So if you do that or you don't get a middle rounder, which we'll talk about a few, I know you like one in particular. If we don't have some of those guys, maybe a good strategy is at the end of your draft, just take two of who's left. (laughs) <laughs> you know, a Mike Gesicki, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you can get a, a Gesicki, a Jarwin, a John Smith, um, a Herndon, Eifert. I mean, there's so many guys that you could really just throw a dart at and see who sticks. And I think you could really get away with it. All right, let's move on here. Rob Gronkowski comes up next, and then we're going to blaze through a couple of other picks here. Uh, these last three are just kind of the big differences for us. So I have Rob Gronkowski at number nine. Consensus has him at number 11-ish. Um, I'm looking for him, oh, all the way down at 18 for Bobby. <laughs> Bobby, I'll let you kick this one off. Yeah, so I'm t- I fell for O.J. Howard last year. I mean, we've seen it year and year and year. So one of the things I thought was very notable about O.J. Howard last year is the the Bucks were one of the top teams in dropbacks and attempts last year, but he was only 13th amongst tight ends in routes run. 
So he, if you compare it to other teams with notable tight ends, like Greg Olson and Zicky with similar teams, similar volume, they, they were in the top seven in routes run last year. So automatically that's a red flag for me. Plus Cameron Bright's still there. OJ Howard's still there. And on that last season, they only used two tight ends on 17% of their pass plays. So it's a low chance that how are they going to get all these tight ends on the field? Plus they've already talked about Gronk getting used to the heat coming back. Um, I just think it's like uh, – I could easily be 500 yards. I could see that. But for me, I'm just trying to find a guy that I think could break out huge, has the opportunity, and has that year because of those things. Fair enough. And I uh, I hear everything you're saying. Mine, I think, just comes down to I, he's not going to be Gronk of old, right? I think he just might be regular old Gronkowski. Um, but I, I have this – Lucas and I have talked about this ad nauseum. And Lucas is on your side of this of this uh, argument. So he and I have gone around and around on this. My thing is, like, I just think of a, a false sense. They have Leonard Fournette as of yesterday. So, I mean, things are changing, uh, obviously, stacked. But I, I just think of football sense, right? Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski have a 12, you know, 15-year history. When they're on the five-yard line, the 10-yard line, the seven-yard line, the 15-yard line, and it's third and goal or it's second and five or whatever, I have a really hard time believing that Gronk and Brady won't just look at each other with a twinkle in their eye and <laughs> the first and second looks are going to be to Gronkowski in the end zone. If he's not open, Tom's not dumb, and one of the other incredible weapons on this offense. I know. But in my opinion, I think there's – it's, it's a body language thing. They know what each other's going to do. Like this stuff matters, especially at the NFL level. Chemistry is everything. We see it every year and for the good and the bad. So again, I just mentioned that he could be a tight end one with 6,606. Gronk could absolutely, absolutely do 6,600 in like 10. I know it sounds crazy preseason, but like, I, I know they don't use the tight end position, but he uses the tight end position. And the reality is if Godwin and Evans are getting both double covered, if that's the case, and they can't run the ball for some reason. I think Gronkowski and OJ Howard and Cameron Bray are going to have some work. So there's a lot of mouths to feed. He's not going to be Gronk Gronk, but I do think like because of the way the tight end position works in fantasy football, yeah. he could – I don't want to have him – here's the deal. I don't want to have him on my team because I don't want to count on him having six for, you know, six for 80 and a touchdown or two any given week. But I do think he could like have three for 45 and a touchdown every other week average, which is not sexy for weekly play. But at the end of the year, I think that gets him into the top 10. So rankings wise, that's why I've got him there. But I'm not excited to draft Gronkowski. Yeah. All right. I think the one thing I want to say about that, though, is those weeks will kill you. If he doesn't score and he gets you three for you know 35, three for 40, that's a bad week. That's going to hurt your team. So I think. I'd rather get a five for 55 for 55 guy in a PPR league that I know will give me that nice base. That's kind of why I'm on that with Gronk. I love it. Awesome, man. I want to talk about another guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm high on Gronk again. I've got him at nine. You've got him down at 18. I thought I was high on, I, I thought I was high on this next guy. Uh, but then again, I look at your rankings. And I'm like, holy shit, Bobby's really feeling it. And it makes me more confident about that. I really do believe in Chris Herndon, but you yeah. have Chris Herndon at number nine. You have him at nine. I've got him at 17. Again, way higher than consensus. I've got him 11 spots higher than consensus. You have him eight or 19 consensus. Let's talk really quick about Chris Herndon before you get into it. 
for anybody who skipped last season for some reason, he was suspended for four, super hyped up, first of all. Very hyped up tight end last year. Kind of a late round sleeper guy. Like I just talked about John, who everybody was talking about Chris Hernan last year. Got suspended for four games. Comes back. I think he played, what was it, like eight snaps or something ridiculous? Yeah, yeah. Tore a hammy. Ended up, ended up being on the IR. He didn't play at all last year. But And look, I'm not going to get into Adam Gase thing. But if Adam Gase <laughs> likes a guy, it helps yeah. as much as he doesn't like a guy, it hurts. He likes Chris Hernan a lot. Sam Darnold likes the position. We saw three different tight ends for the Jets last year. Be fantasy relevant, and nobody knew who we were. Chris Ernan's the truth, man. I love that you have their ranking so high, uh, but you're you're the highest by probably ten spots than anybody I've seen. Yeah, yeah. So listen, this is what it comes down to. Like his rookie season was very good, but it's also the fact that both outside perimeter receivers have been dealing with injuries. Denzel Mims, a rookie, missed a lot of training camp. For Perriman right now is hurt, not practicing. And then on top of all that, they have a very tough outside cornerback schedule. That division with the Bills, with Tredavious White, they have the Dolphins now have Byron Jones, the, and then the also the uh, Stephon Gilmore and the Patriots. They also face the NFC and the AFC West. And if anybody remembers, the NFC West was horrible at covering tight ends. The Cardinals, the Rams, the Seahawks, these teams are all bad at covering. So that schedule is fantastic. Six of the eight teams in those two divisions were in the uh, top half in points allowed to tight end schedule also like you just brought up the tight ends you know ryan once the happened with uh, sam darnold you know when he came back in week six ryan griffin had four top 10 weeks of nine of the nine weeks he played with him in that little stretch it's almost half his games he was a top 10 tight end ryan griffin and then really we've seen over the gase's action gase wanted a pass catching tight end he tried to replicate it in denver back in the day when he was a, a oc there julius thomas had big seasons Martellus Bennett, the one season in Chicago, had 80 targets in just 11. He's recreate the magic with Julius Thomas, brought him over to Miami. That didn't work. And then they drafted Mike Juzicki with a high pick in the second round under his regime. So he's shown every time that he wants a true pass catching tight end. And then, like you said, I think the best point of all is in case likes him. Whatever the reason is, that's all I care about. Because you hear all this stuff with Le'Veon Bell. He's talking to Frank Gore. Oh, you know, it's which is a different podcast. I'm sorry, but at the same time, for him to they they retired Ryan Griffin, but for some reason he's all about Chris Herndon, and I'm just all in. I think the schedule, I think Adam actions, and I think injuries to the outside wide receivers make him a top ten tight end. I love it, man. I love it, and I'm I'm drinking the Kool Aid too, man. I, I'm feeling it for sure. I like that a lot. Let's talk about one more guy, man. And then we'll take a quick commercial break here. Number 10, you have TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson comes in at about 14 for consensus. I'm lower on him. I've got him at 19. I'll make mine real quick, man. And I'm 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 looking for you to convince me otherwise because I don't feel good about having him at 19. However, I just like it it, it kind of scares me. I know the week one was awesome, right? Fine. Then it trickled, he got hurt, and yada yada. Look, I'm kind of scarred from five years of Eric Ebron being one of the most athletic tight ends in the NFL and literally just going to waste in Detroit. I'm, I'm still hurting from that. So I don't want to see another one. And therefore I'm just kind of like ranking him out of my peripheral vision. So I don't get distracted and grab him because I want to make sure I see it before it happens. So right. please <laughs> to me otherwise, because I love the talent. I loved him coming in. I think he's going to be phenomenal long-term it's just sometimes, man, these situations scare me a little bit. Yeah, I'm here to heal your wounds, I hope. So uh, the thing is with, with the Lions, you can't compare the history, unfortunately. It's, it's Daryl Bevel. 
yeah. Toasty, right. last right. season. So Daryl Bevel, a lot of people, if they don't know, he was the Seattle offensive coordinator, and then he was the the thing that's notable about that is that during his time with Seattle, they traded and acquired Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham consistently was a top 10 tight end under Daryl Bevel. He had a double-digit touchdown season under Bevel. Vasante Shanko, back in the day, had a rogue what, 10 touchdowns. So it's just that the offense is conducive of this. Uh, they proved it. So Daryl Bevel comes in last year, and the first thing they do is draft TJ Hawkinson, and they also acquire Jesse James. So it's clear that they value the tight end in Daryl Bevel's system. He's proven it in the past with those things as well. But also, you got to rookie tight ends, you got to look at their production. There's no such thing as a really productive rookie. And every single year, we see second year breakouts. In 2019, it was Mark Andrews. Dallas Goddard had a big jump. Mike Zicki had a big jump in his second season. And the year before that was George Kittle. We have seen guys in their second season just become superstars and rookie seasons just go out the window so that's why i'm high on tj hawkinson and i'm looking forward to drafting dude that's awesome man and, and uh, i think you did persuade me the other way because you're right about the tight ends and i know that it's just it's yeah nice it's just it's, it's um <laughs> It's it's hard. It's hard. You know, I know, you know, Daryl Bevel's a great that's a great pickup. And Vasante Shank, a great pickup there. Was that a is that a Vikings uh throwback there, if I remember correctly? Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, great. Um, no, I, I think that that's a good pick. And, and again, I believe in Stafford. I'm all about Marvin Jones and, and uh mm-hmm. Galladay and Stafford. Like I'm 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 repping all those guys. Uh I just again um want to see it before I commit, but I feel better better about it now. Well done. Let's jump back in the list here really quick just to preview a couple of the guys here just to give a list. So, so far we're down to about the top 10. we got 10 more to go. We're going to blaze through those a lot faster. But before we do that, I do want to give another shout-out and big ups to my man Bobby DeMar- Lamarco for coming on. I appreciate you. X Factor. You can see the links down here below. You can find both of us on IG and Twitter. Also, there's a Landry Football Network right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Landry. Football, all football, all the time. High school football coverage, college football coverage, NFL proper, and we are your one-stop shop for fantasy football coverage. So if you are at LandryFootball.com, you can find out anything you're looking for for recruiting, film breakdown, divisionals, conference breakdowns as college football gets underway here recently. You can go check that out. Absolutely. Also, if you're interested in jumping into our live chat here for the last half hour of the program, feel free to do that for the listeners here live. Drop a comment for us. We'll catch that and we'll bring you up on the screen and feel free to have an open conversation. Always a pleasure. Bobby, again, it's really nice to have you, man. I appreciate you doing this. Let's get into that second half. You good? Yeah, thanks, man. Righteous. All right, let's bring it back on here, man. Um, at 11, so we both have Tyler Higby at 11. Uh, consensus has him at 7.5. Um, we're not going to go into all these players, man, because we just we could talk about this for three hours. But basically, yeah. you and I agree on Tyler Higby uh, at number 11 here. Um, Noah Fant comes in at 12 for me. You've got him at 14. Jack Doyle comes in at 10 for me and 12 for you. Really quickly, you and I agree on this, but we're both – 15 spots higher than consensus. I'll give you maybe just a minute to talk about uh, Jack Doyle. Lucas, uh, co-host, of course, the TCK pod, he's been tooting the the, uh, the Doyle bell all summer long, and now it's like, oh, yeah, Rivers loves the tight end, and everybody else is into it. But I got to give shouts out to our man for calling that one early. 
Yeah. So really what it comes down to, I think Doyle has been a product of circumstance. His breakout 2016 with Andrew Luck, he was a top 10 tight end. And then all of a sudden things just, just aren't, didn't work out. Luck got hurt in 2017. He got hurt in 2018. Luck, of course, last year was gone. So I think we haven't seen him build off that 2016 year. You just talked about Philip Rivers now. And then one of the things I love about Indy is that they're a top five team when it comes to passing the tight end from a fantasy production standpoint. And then Trey Burton just got hurt. So Burton was going to be the number two on that team. He's hurt now, so that's more snaps for Doyle. And then behind T.Y. Hilton, who's really the guy you're going to trust in that offense? Paris Campbell, young, talented, Michael Pittman's a rookie. So that's why I love the reliable veteran in Doyle for Phil Rivers. I love it, man. I love it. I totally agree with you, and, and Lucas uh, Lucas couldn't agree more. Awesome. Let's move down the list here. We have uh, Evan Ingram falls down to number 13 for me, and you've got him up at eight. You're so confident. Is this uh, maybe the opposite of the Henry situation? I may be worried about injuries and all the other mouths to feed and everything else, and uh, you're banking on the talent? Uh, it's more to do with Jason Garrett coming in, bringing his offense over. We saw Jason Witten be very productive in the Garrett offense for years. Um, just think that there's a steady hand there with Jason Garrett. And I'm, I'm not really necessarily going to draft him. Like we talked about this earlier too. I'm not drafting Evan Ingram a lot because I'm not, I'm waiting on guys. And plus I have Hayden Hurst higher. So it makes sense to draft him, but I am okay with Evan Ingram because we've heard camp reports. He's been a standout. And I like the fact that Jason Garrett's going to bring that offense that uses tight end. Awesome. I agree there. And Jason Garrett's a great, great pick there. I'd mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Jason Garrett factor. And I think that definitely matters when he had Jason Witt as a top 12 tight end for years. Jason Witt came and moved. Evan Ingram's one of the best athletically gifted tight ends in the NFL. All right, next up is my man Blake Jarwin at number 14. And just for the record, I've said this for weeks, but uh, when I have new people on, I just want to clear the air here. Uh, my man, Mike, the fantasy hitman right over at the fantasy footballers has made Blake Jarwin cool. But I do want to technically take – I remember listening to a footballers <laughs> episode. <clears throat> I remember to a footballers episode earlier in the summer, and he brought him up as uh, his kind of new flashy 2020 deep sleeper at tight end. And Lucas and I just kind of laughed because I had brought him up about a week or two before that on the podcast. Anyways, I, uh, I, I am riding the train. I, I definitely believe that is the case. I know there's a ton of mouths to feed. I'm banking on the opportunity here. 140, <clears throat> excuse me, 140 uh, open targets here at the tight end position. Blake Jarwin only had about 40 last year. If you double that, that's 80. That still leaves about 40 plus available that Jason Witten wasn't using. A lot of people immediately jump to the, well, CD Lamb's in town. That's true. He can have all of he can have all of Randall Cobb's work and be just fine as a rookie, right? That doesn't affect Blake Jarwin at all, frankly. I think he's going to be just fine. I'm a little – I don't even about nervous. I'm just kind of like unsure about uh, what Mike McCarthy's going to do with the tight end position because we know that – I mean, the, the narrative is that Aaron Rodgers doesn't use tight ends, but up until three years ago, two years ago, Mike McCarthy was his head coach, so maybe Mike McCarthy doesn't use tight ends. I'm not 100% sure on which way it goes. I'm going to bank on the talent. I'm going to bank on the younger opportunity. Dak Prescott has been relying on the tight end position in Dallas for his whole career. It's been very fruitful, and it's been Jason Witten. So same thing. He just gets a better, new and, a new and improved version of it. Um, and, you know, again, I think all those receivers are going to be going nuts. No one's going to be covering Blake Jarwin. He is not a factor for a defense. You got Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard even. You have all three of these receivers and, De and Dak Prescott himself. 
nobody's going to be like, we have to game plan for Blake Darwin. And after the first couple of weeks, when he gets ready as the number one there, I think that's really going to be a big deal. And he's going to find himself open for some big games. And I think he's going to find a handful of touchdowns, man. And he is kind of a sneaky double digit touchdown guy for me this year. And therefore I'm, I'm willing to take the risk on him. And again, he's a late round guy. Like, you know, Nobody's going to draft Chris Herndon, Bobby, where you have him, but you don't have to. You just believe in him that yeah. way. So you can get him undrafted or your last pick, but you're that good. I'm getting Blake Jarwin for free everywhere, and I feel absolutely great about it. I don't see that you have him ranked anywhere on your list, though. Yeah, so, so like, my thing is, like, I, I, take a, I take into account coaching, and I really believe that Mike McCarthy, so I looked at it from dating back to his days in New Orleans as an OC. And there has been no tight end ever who's produced at a tight end one level under Mike McCarthy. And the thing I love about Dallas is that, you know, I think it's one of the storylines that no one's talking about is that Mike McCarthy's putting in his playbook. Everyone thinks that because Kellen Moore is still the OC that nothing's changing, which is not happening. I think it's flying under the radar that they, everyone thinks it's Kellen Moore is going to be calling plays and calling plays like he did last year, the same playbook. It's not. There's been reports coming out recently. It's going to be Mike McCarthy's playbook. And if you look at the history of Mike McCarthy, the best tight end season comes back in like 2011 with Jermichael Finley. That season, he still wasn't even in double digits for fantasy points. That was the pinnacle. We've seen guys like Martellus, Bennett, Jared Cook, Jimmy Graham, all with not make the top 12. So I just, when I'm evaluating Jarwin, I think that we've seen the Packers use three wide receivers and dominate like with three wide receivers for years under Aaron Rodgers. And, and Dak Prescott could do the same exact thing with Lamb, Gallup, and Cooper. Yeah. I like it. I, I totally agree with you there. All right, man, we got a few minutes left here in the program. I would do one to a couple other guys here. Mike Kosicki comes in for me at number 15. He is number 14 for consensus, and you have him at 19 there. And then Jared Cook. I do want to talk about Jared Cook. You've got him at 7. I've got him at 16. Consensus has him at 9. So I'm significantly lower on Jared Cook than consensus and yeah. yourself. And basically, again, I this comes down to – um, I believe in Jared Cook. I've seen it happen numerous times on multiple teams. The dude's a stud. I'm not worried about him. Emmanuel Sanders coming in, I think, is definitely going to take away from him. I think Alvin Kamara, now that he's happy, he'll get paid. Uh, uh, and, and I mean, he'll, he'll be just fine, right? So I think that the, the Saints offense last year did not go through uh, Cook at all, right? So looking at his game logs, he only had three seasons last year over four receptions, all right? So that's obviously not great consistency. Now, down the stretch, he did do well. He scored five touchdowns over his last four games. I like to see that a lot. Didn't score any over the first four games. He did okay because, again, it's the tight end position. But he had no game uh, of 100 yards, which he has had in his career multiple times. Isn't really going to be breaking too many long plays. His long last year was 61 yards on a busted play. I remember that one. But other than that, it was 40 yards. And outside of that, man, I mean, I'm looking at his game log in receptions. Two, two, one, three, four, three, six, two, six, three, two, four, three, two. So, again, they're not going to be they're not going to be looking at Jared Cook constantly. Now, look, Drew Brees is incredible. Again, he's looking Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, maybe Emmanuel Sanders, maybe Traquan Smith, who sounds like Drew Brees wants to break out this year. So we'll see what happens there. Alvin Kamara, fine. Yeah. But for me, Jared Cook is probably the – third and a half to fourth look at best. And unless a play is drawn up for him in the red zone, I just don't see him being a big part of this. Now, again, he's a tight end. If he goes seven for 707 uh, and 70, he'll be fine. I don't see it happening. It didn't happen last year until the very end of the season when Alvin Kamara was beat up, playing at about 75% with a high ankle sprain. That's a big deal. So I love Jared Cook, the player. 
I just don't see it happening this year. And he's just a guy that I think is kind of in the higher higher ranks that I'm just kind of I'm just kind of fading. I'm not I'm not biting it. I, I guess is what it is. Yeah, I think me and you are kind of flipped on Gronk versus Cook. I think we have kind of the same. We're kind of telling the same stories, but we're flipping. A little, and I think yeah. with Cook for me is yeah. you got to take out the Teddy Bridge games. The Teddy Bridgewater, what it's worth, he did not do anything in those games. And when you look at just the Drew Brees games in the nine games they played together, he had eight, eight targets. Like Pro Football Focus breaks it out by when they see, you see a target in the end zone, he's getting one of those every game from Drew Brees. They're connecting constantly. He had seven touchdowns in those nine games. With Brees. Um, so I'm just really – I like the fact that New Orleans as a whole, we saw it with Jimmy Graham. Benjamin Watson had a top six fantasy season in the middle of all this after Jimmy Graham was traded. And then Kobe Fleener got like 80-plus targets in one season for this team. So I just think that the offense uses the tight end. But also Jared Cook has been like this late bloomer. Like he breaks out in, in Oakland. He goes to a new team. He breaks out. He does great again. But I like the fact that it's really banking on Breeze. I think Breeze, when he was healthy, he targeted – more than Teddy Bridgewater did. So that's why I'm just kind of rolling with Cook still in my top 10. I dig it, dude. I dig it. And again, I've seen it from Cook. I know he can do it. I'm not, I guess it's just one of those things, again, like TJ Hawkinson, I'm kind of like, if I rank him lower, then I just kind of like don't get confused in my head. I've done my research. I made my decision. So like, if (laughs) I rank him lower, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And I just let it go, you know? So I think that's kind of of where where I'm trying to be on Cook. But I hear you. and, And if I get burned on Cook, I get burned on Cook. Right. Routing out the top 24, Bobby and myself. We talked about Herndon already. Austin Hooper comes in at 18, 15 for Bobby. We talked about Hawkinson and then Eric Ebron. You don't have ranked, I don't believe, at least in the top 20. I do. That's just based on maybe six touchdowns. And then a couple names over here on your side that we haven't gone through yet. Um, Logan Thomas. Uh, we didn't talk much about Mike Kosicki. And then I love seeing Tyler Eifert here. I will say right away way that I don't have Tyler Eifert in my top 20 yet, but I would love to hear your case for him. But as um, uh, again, early in the summer, Lucas and I did like an immediate reaction of free agency in the NFL draft. We did a quick, like, you know, this is like May maybe. And we did like a quick scan and just said, Hey, quick, like deep, deep sleepers who we think could pan out over the summer. And my tight end was actually Tyler Eifert. And it was strictly based on, he finally played 16 last year. And he has the third best tight end schedule after week two. What that means is you're not going to, nobody's going to draft him. Okay. But you're also not going to stream him the first week or two because you've got somebody else in drafts. He's probably not going to do amazing because it's, you know, whatever it's a new season, it's a, it's a tough opponents. After that though, his tight end strength of schedule opens wide open. And if you look at Jacksonville now, right, without Leonard Fournette, they're going to be throwing the ball three downs. Like all the time, they have to, right? They're going to be throwing the ball yeah. all the time, and it's going to go to Chark, and it's going to go to Westbrook-ish, and it's going to go to Eifert as long as, long as he stays healthy. And, of course, the backs out of the backfield. But I really think that there's a, a very sneaky kind of a, a, a reemergence of one of the best tight ends in his young career. Of course, he's been broken for five years. But let's not forget, yeah. 2013, 13 touchdowns is no snuff, right? So – I really think that he could bounce back from this. So I love seeing Tyler Eifert there. But, you know, feel free to grab any of these other guys. You know, Logan Thomas, I know you want to talk about quick. I had yep. Ian Thomas a little bit higher with Carolina. But give me maybe another two or three names. you got about five more minutes. Yeah, Logan Thomas is one I want to talk about. The reason why is of Scott Turner's scheme. So Scott Turner coming into Washington, 
We have seen uh, the funny thing is Scott Turner was under his dad, Norv Turner, when Jordan Cameron broke out in Cleveland. Kyle Rudolph had his biggest season in 2016. He had well over like 130 targets that year. Greg Olson consistently be around the 90 to 100 target range under this scheme. Plus, behind, behind Terry McLaurin, who's getting targets? And there's been a lot of one star. He's also in an offense that loves to use the tight end, but Dwayne Haskins likes him. So apparently in red zone work, he's getting a lot of looks. I just love the fact that there is just so many opportunities available in an offense that's going to let him run loose. So I'm willing to take a dart throw on him in the, at the end of the draft. Like we talked about, I like the Herndon-Logan Thomas duo. Um, he does have a tough week one, so he might not be the perfect guy to draft because he plays Philadelphia. He's really tough against tight ends. But overall, I just love the opportunity, and that's why I'm high on Logan Thomas. I love it. I love it. Nice pick. And and honestly, other than Terry McLaurin and maybe a share of uh, uh, backup, you know, streamer option in Logan Thomas, maybe Antonio Gibson, just to see what happens. I have no interest in any of the uh, Washington football team, if you will. Bobby, before yeah. I let you go, man, um, and I didn't prep you for this, so I don't expect you to know exactly, but just kind of the flow of either mock drafts or the drafts that you've been through already in uh, in the summer. Who would you say off top or, or maybe the the most um, continuous tight ends that you have been drafting, whether it's early, late, sleepers, you just happen to fall on a guy, you're reaching for a guy, you're making sure to have your dude. Who's maybe two or three guys that like you try to make sure that you grab every draft and then maybe a, a I don't know, you know, sleeper if you want to call him that, but maybe a later round guy that people can potentially pick up for either a streaming option week one or just look at if they don't uh, capitalize on one of those earlier guys. Yeah, so it's Hayden Hurst. Um, he's obviously a top five tight end for me. You can consistently get him in the eight, nine range in 12 team leagues. I love that, especially like we touched on earlier, when you can fill out your entire roster with, uh, you know, running backs, three wide receivers, or whatever combination, get all those wide receiver and flex spots filled, and then you can grab a tight end who you believe in like I do. It's Hayden Hurst all the way for me, especially in that range. Uh, later on, it's kind of like my the rankings we talked about. TJ Hawkinson and Chris Herndon have been two guys I've been all over all offseason, and that's who I've been drafting a lot of. Um, and then, like, the sleeper is Logan Thomas. So I think we pretty much covered my guys. I made sure I got them up in the list so we talk about them for the podcast. But it's just based on when I actually look at these guys, I want to know if the coaching staff and the play caller uses a tight end. That's a common theme. So if I'm confident that the coaching staff is going to use a tight end, I'm willing to draft them. I just love Hayden Hurst. I think if you can get him in the eighth, ninth round in every draft, pull the trigger, go for it. I think the Austin Hooper role, vacating all those routes is my number one target amongst all tight ends this year based on ADP. What about you? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, so if I'm if I'm not, and I am not a, a strong, super early tight end guy, but I have gone Kelsey in a league and Kittle in a league. Uh, I think I've got Ertz in one or two. I don't have Andrews just because I don't have any Waller. But if I look down the list a little bit, I usually just punt till the end, man. I mean, I get a lot of Jarwin, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Janu. Um, I've been getting uh, quite a bit of like Herndon recently because he's kind of popped back up and I know that he's healthy and he's doing well. So he's kind of back on the scene, which is great. But that's usually kind of kind of it, man. I mean, like a lot of times it just kind of like I go early and I commit to it and then I fill in those wide receivers the running backs later or I will just punt the position till the end. And that's where I usually kind of feel more confident, honestly, because I'm able to fill up with running backs and receivers as well. And I feel similar about 
quarterbacks too. Hey, Bobby, it was a real pleasure to have you on, man. I know these hours go by super fast. We will absolutely do this again soon. I promise it's a long time overdue, but we had a lot of fun, man. Before we go, please, again, it's been scrolling down below us the entire episode, but please, again, let everybody know where they can find you and what you do. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor and on Twitter at FFX Factor. I also have a YouTube channel, um, all the social media accounts, but the main account you'll find a lot of my tidbits are Twitter and Instagram. Awesome, man. Well, you've been great. I really appreciate you. And before we get out of here, I do want to give, again, a huge thank you to Chris Landry personally and the Landry Football Network for having the Candlestick Kids on for the last month of August. We've learned a lot. We've made a lot of connections. It's been an absolute pleasure. So I want to just give nothing but love and support and wish this program and platform nothing but the best. Make sure to continue to tune into the Landry Football Network, LandryFootball.com for high school, college, NFL proper, and fantasy football coverage, everything you can talk about. Also, make sure to go to twitch.tv, Chris Landry Football, any day of the week, almost 24-7, There is live football coverage on this Twitch network. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's been a blessing to be a part of it for the last month. We're going to have a lot of fun breaking into our other scenes coming up in the next uh, few weeks and throughout the season. Bobby, of course, you will be a part of that and we'll be bringing it back. So signing off, I should say, uh, for the Landry Football Network and the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. For Bobby Lamarco and the Fantasy Football X Factor I am Scott Guasco with the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. It has been a pleasure, and we wish all the best to land your football. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.